Welcome back to Probably About Politics. We haven't recorded in a little while, and so we figured we'd dive right into the deep end Yeah. with an explainer on what is the Green New Deal. Yeah. How is it like things we've talked about in the past? Is it good? Is it bad? Is it actually one thing? <laughs> <laughs> and and everything everything in between there. What other people are doing? Are there a lot of Green New Deals? Who is Mr. Green? Who is Mrs. Green? And and what are they talking about? And how is this different than the first <laughs> New Deal? I think I think that's a good list. Yeah, it's a long list. And I'm glad that, you know, we took a little summer vacation and now we're just, you know, jumping right back in. Exactly. And you can tell that it is, it's policy from the left because it has to address everything at once, right, Kelly? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, that you can tell that it's, well, we read an interesting article, uh, I think I sent it to you, I don't know if you read it, about how it isn't, a, you know, it could be inclusive of people who would position themselves on the right. That's true. Uh, it's actually important to note that this isn't even policy from the left. It's not policy at all. It's just an idea. It's just yeah. a framework. It's something to move forward on, to get a conversation started. It's something bigger than that, maybe. Yeah, I think it's, it's, and I think it gets a lot of flack for not, or, or there seems to be like a sense that the fact that it is not anything actually gets it a lot of flack. But I, I don't know if it's really fair. It's, it's a, did we have previous to it a really a shared sort of understanding of what a the problem is and what needs to, what ultimately needs to be done to resolve it now whether you agree on it or not like i don't see a whole lot of suggestions uh coming out um <laughs> that are you know okay well you it, just addressed two good things that you said what is the problem and what needs to be done to address it so mm -hmm. what is it what is the problem <laughs> and what needs to be done to address it uh, the problem is, is that if immediate action is not taken to decarbonize our economy, uh, and this is a global problem, this is, the Green New Deal is largely an American policy, but like from a global perspective, if immediate action isn't taken, the, the planet, we will, as a globe, face dire consequences and a significant cost to human, human life. And, and I mean, I guess if it's more important to you, the economy, um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and then so agreeing on what we should do about that with is the green new deal sets broadly a list of goals uh for um not even necessarily specific some of them are like sort of specific policy ideas but generally speaking broad like umbrellas of areas of policy they'll need to be addressed um in order to reach a dramatic um decarbonization of the economy since it it it's basically saying we have to take a very big swing because we've lost all time to take smaller, uh, more incremental steps. So we, we agree that there's a very big problem and to address that very big problem, there will be need to be um, all encompassing sort of societal change is what it's, it's suggesting. So could you talk about what is meant by decarbonize the economy mm -hmm. and how is that different from potentially individuals decarbonizing or just putting a price on carbon or everybody driving electric vehicles like what what is decarbonizing the economy exactly so, so de decarbonizing the economy means uh, essentially zero we have to get to no gas greenhouse gas emissions 
at all. So that would mean no oil and gas. Um, so you, you wouldn't have uh, gas-driven cars anymore. Um, your things like your agriculture, uh, agricultural industries, which are high emitters, would have to go to zero as well. It, every area where there are emissions have to go to zero. And that that you know y- you participating in your city's recycling program it is not ultimately what's going to get us there what's going to get us there is a commitment to you know uh, a, a resolution say in Canada for example that the oil and gas industry only has a very limited lifetime left and committing to that uh, would be what people who are supporters of the green new deal would say i think does that that make sense i think that's a that's a fair explanation of what it means to decarbonize the economy yeah and so basically this sets out a list of areas that need to be decarbonized and broadly what what it would take to get to those goals Mm -hmm. yeah and pretty broad uh and pretty comprehensive but i think it's useful it is useful in a lot of ways because I, I was reading, uh, I've, I've done some reading about, uh, like, trying to figure out why past uh, elements of policy hasn't worked as well in Canadian history and stuff like that. And I think a lot of it has to do with, like, if you, you're, it's such a massive problem. Like, um, I, I was reading one person said they didn't like the Green New Deal, and the person responded, well, what would you do? And they're like, I don't know, man, climate change is hard. But by looking at broad sectors, uh, like each sector of the society and the role that it plays, you see, mm-hmm. you can see who holds the pieces. Um, and then you could say, well, you hold this piece and you hold this piece and you hold this piece and you have to do this, this, and this, and these are the, you know, it becomes much easier to lay out the, the roadmap, I suppose. So it has to be broad because it's not talking only about, you know, sp- it's not talking specifics and it's not talking about only a few things. So these things mm-hmm. that need to be decarbonized are as broad as agriculture, which goes from the mm-hmm. things that people eat on a daily basis, mining, which is electronics that go into that, where the gold in your computers come from, where the metals in your car come from, how those metals are processed, alternatives to those things, how that food that's in your diet is processed and not just where it comes from how things are sold, how we buy things, how we transport things, how we get places. And so all of those things are are tied together really deeply. It's not just like, mm-hmm. okay, well, if this guy stops, if, if we just start making energy all from renewable resources, that doesn't decarbonize the economy necessarily, right? Because there's still oil-based products that are produced and oil used for other other things and a big a big uh proponent of this is in agriculture as well right and the in the things we eat and just generally Mm -hmm. the way we live our lives which will be hugely impacted right it's not just yeah (laughs) it's not just you know putting up windmills and and going on from there with everything electric powered and so and by saying like that's it's not it, it is a big change for our lives. So then the f- the first part is decarbonizing the economy and how just comprehensive and how that needs to be so many pieces of the puzzle coming and working and fundamentally changing the way we live our lives. But then so what needs to then be included and in, and the green new deal highlights um is uh they they look at a federal jobs guarantee and really like massive public uh, inf- uh, large-scale public investment 
um, and then also a significant investment in the just transition. Um, so to avoid um, causing reinforced inequalities for uh, the, the people who are being forced to fundamentally change their lives when they may have been may have been part of historically discriminated populations and more, much more affected by the impacts of climate change. Mm-hmm. So we've talked about uh, previously, we've talked about really big policy, right? So we mm-hmm. notably have talked about healthcare uh, in Canada. We've talked about the original New Deal uh, in the United States. And this is big policy, probably bigger mm-hmm. than those two things, um, mm-hmm. but also is different from those two things in what you just said with this just transition rather than maybe having huge things that benefit a lot of people, but also at the expense of some other people. Yeah. So I think, I think if you, if you look at, you can't really look at the green new deal as being wholly new. I mean, you can tell in its name that it is in many ways, a callback to the new deal, which we covered in a previous episode. And um, I think uh, an understanding of the green new deal, you can get a lot from learning about the new deal and how that worked. Um, so I do recommend going back and listening, but it is, uh, it is based in old, uh, old, uh, old policy, like a a policy that we have and approaches to policy that we've taken historically and that have worked pretty well, um, that involve many actors having to come together and work towards a solution, um, under and using the government, uh, the federal government, uh, in this case, as sort of the, the, the group that leads the charge that, that helps to push everybody in the direction that we need to go. Um, now the, the reason that for the just transition and, and that you'll see if you read about the green, the green new deal, when it's calling back to the new deal, it's saying the, the challenges that existed in the new deal where it didn't necessarily raise everybody up. It, it left behind, um, uh, a lot, uh, African Americans, um, and people of color and lower income, a lot of, uh, groups of people who were left out of it. Um, uh, and then sometimes reinforced people, uh, or did reinforce, uh, groups of people who already had power in, and securing their, their positions of, uh, of power. So this one is more focused on saying everybody's we're going to do this. It's going to change all of our lives, but we're all going to go together. Um, and, and we're all going to, in, in theory, we're going to try and make it so everybody benefits, um, in the end. So I think that's, a. those are some good value propositions for the mm-hmm. green new deal, right? Yeah. So yeah. if, if, it get, if it gets implemented in the United States and also similar things get implemented all around the world, mm-hmm. right? We, we f- stop climate change. The polar bears get to live, you know, <laughs> uh, ocean levels don't rise as much, uh, general ocean temperatures and surface temperatures of the earth don't increase by so much. There's a lot of things that are good, obviously <laughs> about mm-hmm. these things. Um, but, it is a different approach, right? In that, I mean, it's a hugely different approach than anyone we have in Canada we, as like, there's no carbon pricing involved with the Green New Deal, right? It's about like completely removing <laughs> carbon, mm-hmm. not just putting a price on it. It's making uh, alternatives to it so much cheaper 
and actually um, viable rather than just making a price on carbon. It's totally a new way of doing things. And so it's obviously not being implemented currently or being done to the full mm-hmm. extent that it would be. And mm-hmm. so are there reasonable um, reasons why it's not being implemented? Like what are the what are the downsides of this type of legislation or this specific legislation to being put into place? Um, so I think to a certain degree, the Green New Deal wouldn't necessarily object to carbon pricing. That could be a part of it, but then it would have to lead to a clear understanding that at the end of this very, in theory, very rapid process, there should be no, um, there should be no more, uh, greenhouse gas emissions, uh, uh, so no more, the oil and gas would have to end. So you could, in theory, like it doesn't, Again, it, it is so broad that it doesn't really lay out and say, no, don't do cap and trade, don't do carbon pricing. Uh, it, that could be a component. So so it could be a component of the uh, broader goal, um, especially if it, uh, if it can help to e- make for that just transition and ease the, ease the process. Um, but I think that... Well, incremental is just ultimately easier. I think if you, if I'm sure many of our, since many of our listeners are Canadian, they will remember that it was very hard to get the carbon, the carbon tax passed, um, and uh, and uh, to have a real discussion uh, about it. If you referred to it as a tax, was it just you you know (laughs) the debate around it became very heated (laughs) to the point where Trudeau avoided saying tax uh for most of most of the time that he was he was uh pushing for it um but it included in it uh the idea that event most uh most canadians would get a significant uh return of that money that they paid on the tax while allowing uh well having corporations pay more uh for their emissions so there is in it is, I think, ultimately anywhere that you see the Green New Deal taking place, it will be somewhat incremental. I, thinking back to the New Deal, it w- that was a lot of policies that happened very fast, but it was still policy building on policy rather than uh, just like a big block that just happened, um, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. So it, I would agree that, yeah, you certainly haven't seen any countries taken on um, as rapidly, but it is about... Uh, building out the policies uh, that need to be a part of that. And some of them are like really simple. So some of them are like in making sure. And, and I think that uh, if we think about it, it was something that when we interviewed Jenna Atwin that she talked about, is like making sure that your houses uh, are energy efficient. So, you know, proper ceiling on windows, et cetera. So like, sim- so implementing a policy like that would be sort of a part of the broader objectives of the new, uh, the green new deal. So just to touch on why, why it might not happen, mm-hmm. right? Like people talk about it costing a lot of money to change yeah. <laughs> literally everything, right? Mm-hmm. And so like, is it, I mean, is that even the right way to even talk about it? Because, okay, so this thing might be really expensive, which who even mm-hmm. knows what the what the price would be, right? What the yeah. cost would be. But it's not free, to not do it. Yes. No. So is, is like, have you seen any real, like 
economic analyses of this that also include the costs of like climate change going forward and whether or not like to show whether or not (laughs) implementing the green new deal over a 20 or 50 year timeline is that like a net positive or net negative cost like have you seen anything Uh, like that yeah so i think the thing to build that i've seen is yeah it uh i was reading i read somewhere that they they couldn't really cost it because uh there wasn't really any there wasn't enough solid policy to really be able to cost it um so Mm. most numbers in terms of the green new deal would be really at best guesses and probably uh at worst somebody you know uh just trying to uh push their narrative on how they feel about it um but the National Climate Assessment in the U.S. predicts that uh, it will cost, global warming could cost the United States upwards of $5 billion per year by the end of the century, or $500 billion, sorry, not five, okay. much more than that. Like 5 500. billion, that seems reasonable, yeah. honestly. <laughs> no, 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 five, $500 billion. And I think that, I don't believe that that number accounts for um, the the impacts of displacement and natural disaster, uh, some, some of the impacts of natural disaster on them. Uh, so, so by that point, you're probably, I, you're probably getting close to in the trillions. Um, the thing to consider with the green new deal. And, and again, it all depends on how you implement, how a government chooses to implement different components of it or all of it. Um, but you can, they are costly programs, but you can build in uh, ways for to return money. You you can re renegotiate your tax scheme as a country, um, something like a carbon tax uh, or and price on carbon is a good way to inject new uh, money into uh, into your tax tax money into your government, and then additionally. It is, again, if you have like, if you have a jobs guarantee, if you're, what they're trying to do essentially is make green jobs or, uh, jobs to, for green technology, um, the jobs to get, um, and the technology itself more affordable. It, so that the U.S. economy, again, this is based in the U.S. context from this, this sort of what I'm saying. But if you're if you're manufacturing and have made the manufacturing of all green technology much more affordable internally, then you've created a lot of new jobs um, that in in theory could either fill or add uh, fill or even add more to the existing jobs. Because we know that uh, like we've we've talked about the coal industry is is dying out regardless of whether you bring in the green New Deal. Um, but if you create jobs that are similar equivalents. Um, then perhaps you're solving the problem. You're solving a problem that you had. So, this is frequently. I think you just you talked about manufacturing just now, right? Mm-hmm. And oftentimes, this is kind of it. It's become kind of a a right versus left. I mean, everything becomes right versus left. Even like wearing a mask now has become mm-hmm. right versus left politics in the United States, right? Um, mm-hmm. And so manufacturing is this thing that the republicans really have owned in the united states right they're Mm -hmm. like we want for some reason republicans want people to work in factories and (laughs) and they want people to be coal miners 
And yeah. people who vote Republican want to work in factories and they want to be coal miners. Um, but a, a huge part of the Green New Deal seems to be um, returning manufacturing in these mm-hmm. new types of sectors into the United States, right? And kind of kind of trying to change the narrative around these things. Mm-hmm. Do you think, like, how big of a, a roadblock of is just like messaging this type of thing in the United States. Because like, for example, right, Sebastian Gorka in the United mm-hmm. States has said, <laughs> they want to take your pickup truck, they want to rebuild your home, and they want to take away your hamburgers. Which mm-hmm. like, it doesn't really, like I would be fine with somebody rebuilding my home, to be honest, mm-hmm. right? <laughs> I mean, you can have a pickup truck as long as it is carbon neutral, potentially. Mm-hmm. Um, and sure you might have to be vegetarian, but also we can produce meat, uh, from plants now. So like, (laughs) I don't know, like how much is like, how much of this has to come down to just messaging to get people excited about it? Yeah, I think it's a lot of it. It, It's, it's simultaneously like something that I, I think, like, I can't think of a, a policy idea, a big policy idea around climate change that has stuck as well as Green Green New Deal has. Um, uh, so that's, like, a, on the pro side of it. But then on the, yeah, on the con side of it, there is the, the challenge of it being not even actually really policy is that it has a lot has been projected onto it as what it what it means and uh, what it will do to you and and so it 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 is and I think once you dig into um like what if you dig into what say Ocasio Cortez who is the face of it uh, the 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 representative in the U.S. who is is the face of the new the Green New Deal there um is saying is yeah she's saying essentially bring manufacturing jobs back um she uh, pretty pretty close to the messaging that that uh that the republicans um in the previous election and and to this day have been have been saying and so so it means that in theory depending on how it's communicated uh there's a lot in there for people who have voted for uh the the current regime in the u.s um because it yeah it is about uh uh mass production and of of these and creating equivalents to some of these jobs but yeah it is about by being sort of vague like i you understand why they needed to do it right like we talked about it there were no sets of concrete goals to go reach for but also by being vague it means that there's not a lot to uh know about it yet and that gives a lot of freedom to say what it is, I guess, if that, that makes sense. I mean, it, it makes sense, though, right? Because it's not like you can just show up in Washington with a bill to pass that says, <laughs> OK, for the next over the next 30 years, these are the things that we're going to do. These are the exact dollars and cents that are going to happen. Vote on the budget for the next 30 years. Pa- pass it all at once, <laughs> because <laughs> if it doesn't all happen, because that's part of it, right? Like if it doesn't all happen. Mm hmm. There's not really seemingly like a good halfway point, right? Yeah. I mean, which could be argued also from the opposite side of that. If this doesn't happen, there is no middle ground. Like things are very mm-hmm. bad <laughs> if this doesn't happen. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because because one, 
if it doesn't happen because you failed, because you spent all this money and all this stuff doesn't work, but also because climate change still happens. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It, that's it. it basically it. it's the, the, the fervor around it was, and the, 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 the pitch around it is that there, there is no choice anymore. We have to do this. Um, and I think, but I think how you interpret this it can be different. It doesn't, it has, but it is ultimately um, going to have to be something that, like, it, it's, I think, uh, potentially what it can do is good about it is that it does link the economic challenges that many countries are facing um, in terms of growing wealth, growing wealth disparity to climate change to for broader societal change that will lift everybody. And, but it also, like, necessarily, like, if you don't like those, it's not it's not likely to work, um, and and we see that in in I mean we were talking about it a bit before, but like when you just when France just taxed the the gas and it only it it really heavily impacted the working class in France, um, there were there was a ma- massive uh, massive protests in the yellow vest protests a few years ago, um, and and it it if it exasperates the problems that we already have, it's not going to happen. So it has to be both um, the solution to the, the ultimate crisis, climate change that we're experiencing, but also the crisis that is in some ways tied to that, which is that um, our economy is not serving um, everyone um, equally, I guess that there, that, that, that the wealth gap is growing. So you just mentioned about France and how they made a bad choice a few years ago. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then other people got upset and then the protest worked because uh, France knows how to protest. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) They do. They do well. (laughs) Um, Yes. Yeah. And so other than other than France putting in that ill advised tax, um, what are other countries doing and is there an international effort for this sort of thing? Can there even be an international effort at this stage? That's kind of this vague thing in one country. Are, are, are there other places that have already started doing something like this? What does uh, secretary general of the United Nations have to say about <laughs> uh, implanting the green new deal worldwide? Uh, yeah. And I think it's, it'll be interesting to see if there becomes sort of, um, uh, uh, in, in a more international component to the green new deal so far, it is fairly national. Um, like the UK has its own version. There's sort of bits and pieces of one, the idea of it in Canada that exists. Um, but I mean, similar plans, Germany is shutting down all their coal fired plants uh with the objective by 2038 um and and getting rid of uh nuclear power as well um by 2022 is the goal i don't know where they're at on that but um but they're they've also in, and they and when they said set this goal to get rid of coal fired plants they also set aside a huge amount of money to support uh transitioning regions that relied on coal jobs um, so you see that sort of similar pairing of of this climate policy with a with a, a, a transition address transition policy as well, um, and I 
yeah, but the European Union, which Germany is a part of, is also has also taken major uh, steps in terms of uh, agricultural reform, uh, having reduced uh, uh, reduced that by twenty percent, I think, since uh, since nineteen ninety, um, and and you see Norway also pu- pulling divesting from uh, from oil and the oil and gas sector divesting its its sovereign wealth fund from from there uh there are there are lots of examples of of uh many countries that some many that we've covered uh with uh, t- uh taxing carbon like Kazakhstan, New Zealand, South Korea um and I think Mexico as well uh but th- so there's lots of countries coming out with sort of more comprehensive plans um to all contribute to that but uh, none as maybe as big as the Green New Deal have actually been implemented, but you can see pieces of it starting to occur, I guess. It seems like one of those things where somebody just has to do it. Yeah. And then other people, because no, nobody wants to be the first because there's a big risk with doing this first before other countries do. Because, yeah. I mean, you get a huge head start on implementing these new technologies and doing these new things, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's not valuable to have a head start at doing something if that thing isn't worth doing <laughs> or ends up not working, right? Then all you did was waste time from doing things that were useful. And so there's a big fear for anybody anybody being an early adopter of the New Deal, it seems, mm-hmm. because you're missing out on really valuable sectors of the economy right now, right? Yes. If, yeah. if that were to happen. But it seems like the type of thing that somebody has to do. And mm-hmm. once it is implemented and these new things start to... Because once you, especially a large player like the United States, if they just mm-hmm. become completely not reliant on oil, <laughs> completely reshapes the world economy, basically, right? Like if, there's, yes. if, if the United States no longer needs gas and coal... Like what it's, it's kind of hard to even like think about the geopolitical ramifications of, Mm -hmm. (laughs) of oil and gas not being valuable anymore. Right. Like it just, it's just like mind bogglingly complicated to think about, not just like all the new jobs that have to come into this, all the different like moving parts that there are, but Mm -hmm. also like the stability of regions all around the world that are completely reshaped by this and how that goes forward right yeah like what does that cost yeah i mean the part of a something that ocasio cortez pointed out i think when she was highlighting like the costs that could be saved is that if the u.s did this they wouldn't have to protect military interests in oil and gas globally and just to imagine what that the implication of that um internationally announced that many of the countries whose elections we've covered um is is massive (laughs) but uh, yeah it'll take a leader and i think also you, you want to look to countries like the united states countries like canada um, Australia, the European Union, to take the lead on this because, as part of the just transition, um, it is it is also unfair to uh, 
it can be felt as unfair to developing countries to have not gotten this advantage of, of uh, fossil fuels um, and, and now to be forced to uh, take equal share of share of the blame as the countries like the European Union, uh, as a group of countries of the European Union, Canada, the United States, who have who have gotten to use the full benefits of, of, of carbon emissions um, and are also unwilling to transition. I think... I think I'm going to disagree with something that you just said, Kaylee. Sure. There's going to be real uh, tension within the pod. You said it's going to take a leader, mm-hmm. which I think is what makes this so difficult, is that, sure, it there has to be a figurehead, right? There has to be somebody spearheading this. But yeah. I think what makes this different from a lot of things that we've talked about is that mm-hmm. it it's not it doesn't just take like a charismatic leader over 20 years doing good things talking to people getting people on board and everything it's mm-hmm. like it requires everybody it it period it requires everybody right mm-hmm. to yeah. get on yeah. board and to agree and to do something that's like planned for the future and that do, that is that has like a long-term vision mm-hmm. and I don't think that that starts with a leader necessarily, right? Like that starts with people just really changing <laughs> their views on a lot of things, like people not being, um, you know, stuck about whether or not people are going to want to change their houses and take their uh, trucks. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like it's difficult because there has to be somebody at the top doing these things, right? But mm-hmm. it's not it's not just presidents. It's it's the president. It's the it's the like the federal wing. It's the entire. It's the executive wing. It's all of Congress. It's representatives. It's states. It's mayors. It's like it's everybody has to come together on this, which I think is what mm-hmm. makes it such a different challenge than has been faced necessarily previously to overcome this because i I mean like we see when when there's like a huge problem that has to be faced um Mm -hmm. there can be massive changes that can that can come into play right like over the last three months like over a trillion dollars in aid has been doled out in the united states right just Mm -hmm. at the flip of a switch because it was necessary and Mm -hmm. it's it's like I guess a leader could put that type of could properly signal that type of urgency maybe, but I don't know if it, I don't know. I know I'm picking on one word that you said, but (laughs) I I don't know if like, it seems like a bottom up type of thing. Like it takes Mm -hmm. everybody getting on board and I, and I get that's like, okay, yeah, you need a leader to get people on board, but it seems like the type of thing that that's what makes it so difficult is because it's different in that it's not a one person thing that can just change things. It's, got to be everybody and not just everybody it's not just even states and president it's Mm -hmm. international as well because if one country does this it doesn't matter Mm -hmm. (laughs) it not not to say it doesn't matter like obviously it helps (laughs) Uh, but it is at some point an all or nothing thing and everybody does have to be on board which makes it very difficult yeah i think i think what you're saying is right like the it is, and and 
And I think the fact that the Green New Deal has held on has been around. It's been a year, at, at least, where it's been really in the in the public uh, thinking and dis- discourse, um, at least. Um, and that has a lot to do with the protests that we saw over the last the last year relating to it. Um, and I think if you see, like, uh, you see in the United States, for example, states like California have taken on pretty ambitious. Um, plans of decarbonization. Um, and if a smaller place like smaller, but California has like a, an economy that competes with many countries, uh, takes it on and <laughs> succeeds, it, it then becomes a model for success that can then be replicated. So there, there is, yeah, there's a lot of room for other smaller countries, uh, cities, states, uh, provinces to, to take the leader, not even leadership, but to become a part of the process and to, uh, to, to, uh, take this step, um, and, and model the success, um, that could then become global. But yeah, it's, it's, it's hard to imagine how so many actors come together on, on the issue. I think one of the ways that they do is by talking about the actual issue and not whether or not, uh, or talking about the Green New Deal, talking about green policies that could exist within it, and not just whether or not it's possible, because I think whether or not it's possible uh, uh, makes both of us certainly pretty cynical about whether it's possible. Um, so it, it, if, it, but if we don't focus on, um, you know, whether it's good for this ele- next American election to talk about it or whether it could ever be done in the current political system, but we talk about what is actually in there um, and, and start thinking about that, that's how I think you get people moving towards the idea and it could stick. And just before I finish, I'm going to disagree again, Kaylee, because Jeez. you said that when we start talking about this stuff and asking whether or not it's possible, uh, we get cynical talking about it. And... Mm-hmm. I feel the opposite way because what you just said, right, is that what I said before you said that was that we just need somebody to start. Somebody has to do it, right? Mm-hmm. And you say California is already doing it, which is true. California is doing a huge part of what would be the Green New Deal, right? And mm-hmm. if California was a country, it would be the fifth largest economy in the world, right? Yeah. It would be basically the biggest economy in the European Union, if it was a country. And when we talk about whether or not it's possible, in theory, everything that we're talking about is possible, right? Like Mm -hmm. if you could write up a big document and pass it and just stick to it, all of this stuff is 100% feasible, right? Mm -hmm. And people are starting to do it. And it has maintained traction for a while. And so, I mean, you can say that, okay, sure, I've been kind of cynical throughout this episode asking you questions, but that's just really to for you to explain things. Um, mm-hmm. And I think, honestly, I'm not just trying to end on a positive note, that it's not cynical to talk about, and it really does seem possible. I, I mean, in theory, it's 100% possible, and putting it in practice does legitimately seem to be in the future, in my opinion. Yeah, we. I mean, we talked about countries who have, who are doing, who are putting in these policies. Maybe not all of them, but they've put in some of them, and they're, and they're working. So there, it, it is about. 
I, I guess what I mean is that focusing on on the policy and its ability to solve problems in places where we can see it, that it solves problems um, is maybe more valuable than um, worrying about uh, its how it'll play in the next election, I guess. And on that note, thank you for listening to Probably About Politics. If you want to find out more stuff about the Green New Deal, uh, make sure to find us on Twitter, at ProbPolitics. You can find our newsletter linked there as well, which will have extra articles about this type of stuff, stuff that we read in the making of this episode, and things to tell your friends about uh, when they say, but isn't this impossible? (laughs) (laughs) Yes, and if you want to disagree with us or something, you can talk to us on Twitter too. Exactly. Uh, But before you talk to us on Twitter, make sure you like and subscribe or thumbs up or comment or rate or whatever it is on the one of the thousand podcast platforms you may be listening to this on. So thank you for listening to Probably About Politics No Matter Where.